What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Wolf of Hall Street. This is episode two. We are back once again in the Wolf's Den. And just want to thank everyone who listened last week. Uh, we're going to keep this thing going. And uh, we've got some hot, hot topics to discuss today. And at the top of the list, unfortunately, is one uh, that is not good. It's not positive at all. Wolf has started to blow his coat. And it has been absolutely detrimental to my house. Um, if you don't know, I have an Alaskan Malamute. His name's Wolf. And he's the dude. He's the best. He's my son. And uh, he has a double coat. So dogs, he's a northern breed. And Alaskan Malamute is a working dog. Um, every time someone sees him, they say, "What? Uh, that is the most beautiful husky I've ever seen. <laughs> and I know a lot of Malamute owners can probably uh, relate to this because it happens all the time. So... Uh, do we think we're better? Of course. Are we better? Of course. Malamute is American. A husky is communist from Siberia. So what I say is they're very similar. I don't make them feel bad about it. I'm like, but he's a Malamute. And, uh, they're bigger, they're stockier than Huskies are, um, but they are very, very similar. So I can see why a lot of people make that mistake, but it's all good, dude. So, um, but what happens is twice a year, a dog with a double coat will blow their coat. Um, usually in like the spring and the fall. So heading into like the harsher weather months, like summer and winter, uh, in the spring, they'll blow their winter coat from the season before to get out that undercoat so that it keeps them cool uh, in the summertime. And then in the fall, heading into the winter, they'll blow their top coat and get that nice, fluffy, uh, insulating uh, undercoat back in. And so to, you know, keep them warm throughout the, the harsh winters. Um and obviously being, you know, from Alaska, they had terrible winters up there. So that inner, you know, that, uh, undercoat would keep them warm. Uh, hasn't been that bad of winters in Ohio, but, uh, he absolutely lives for the fall and the winter time. I can't get him to even come inside, but during this time of year, he's shedding his undercoat furiously. And it's ridiculous. So I invested in a blower and like a high-speed commercial-grade blower. Um, and I take him out in the backyard and put it right up to his fur. And it blows a lot of it out. Blows a ton of it out, which is great. I mean, it's like a lifesaver. But... <sighs> It doesn't get it at all. It actually, like, I blew out both of his sides, like, up near his ribs and kind of, like, around his torso, back down to his hind legs a little bit. But a lot of the fur wasn't, re it's not ready. It's like you have to prime it. 
So you get some of it out, and then the rest of it's like, oh, it's time to get out of there. So that so now, ever since I blew like both of his sides out really well, the the rest of his fur, I need to take him out there again and do it again because the rest of his fur is like, oh, it's time to get out of here. So, uh, it's it's insidious. It's everywhere. We I live among his hair. It's craziness. Um. Yeah. <laughs> like they have no clue, dude. Like if you go, if you Google um, dogs that shed the most, Alaskan Malamutes are top five on every one of those lists. If not number one, I've seen it both ways. I grew up with them. My dad had numerous Malamutes when I was growing up and they showed them and bred them. So I was ready for it. And I knew what I was getting myself into when I wanted one. So I would just caution anyone out there. (laughs) If you're thinking about getting a Malamute, just know that uh, they shed like crazy. And that's the thing. Like, it's not just the twice a year blow the coat. That's the worst of it. They shed constantly. It's not just that time. He's putting hair out by the minute. So your vacuum cleaner is running every few days or it just takes over your house. It's in your coffee, it's in your cereal, in your bed. It's everywhere. But yeah, I was prepared for it. Like I said, I grew up with them. So I guess it doesn't bother me as much because I knew what I was getting myself into. But yeah, they're up there for sure with, you know, other breeds that shed like crazy. But I wouldn't trade him for the world. He's the greatest dog ever. The point of that whole uh, rant was just to enforce the fact that if you have a Siberian Husky, you're a communist. And <laughs> if you uh, if you have a German Shepherd, you're 100% a Nazi. So if you want to have uh, the spirit of... American nationalism, go get an Alaskan Malamute. That's all I'm trying to say. So. <laughs> oh, shit. My buddy, uh, my buddy Brendan has uh, developed a newfound love for Yeezys, which are the greatest sneakers ever made. Now that's, that's a bold statement because I love Jordans more than anyone. And growing up, you know, in grade school and, and even into high school, like when that, when that new pair of Jordans came out, Oh my God, there was just nothing like it. I mean, and if you were lucky enough to be able to, to have parents that could, that could afford to buy you that new pair of Jordans and you went to you and then you planned it out wearing those to school the next day and you would get there and you'd just be like, man, who else has got these on? And, uh, I was, I mean, there's just nothing like it, you know? And then you could just be like, what's up, dude? I got them too. (laughs) And you were the shit. Um, but yeah, so Yeezy started to come out. 
a number of years ago. And initially, I'm like, these are ugly. These are horrible. I don't know what Kanye is trying to do here. Is he just trying to see if he can make the ugliest shoe ever and people will buy him? And when, I mean, he, it started out in Nike. Um, and I thought they were cool. Um, but extremely expensive and hard to get, which they still are. But something happened there, and I don't know the whole story, but there was some artistic disagreement or something and to where enough was enough, and he um, willfully made that transition and packed everything up and moved shop over to Adidas. And since then has had all the artistic license in the world to kind of go forward and um, really create what, his, what he wanted his vision to be um, back in the Nike days. Uh, and I think the designs have been awesome. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people would argue and just say they're the most hideous shoes they've ever seen, but I think they look sick. And the thing that really sold me was when you put them on your feet, they are the hands down the most comfortable shoes you've ever had on your feet in your whole life. And I say that with all the confidence in the world. It's ridiculous. Now, there's a lot of different models, and some are more comfortable than others, but they're all comfortable. The 350s are the most comfortable. It's like walking on clouds. And the 350s may look the best, too. Um, the dad shoes, the 700s, those are very unique looking. They do. They look like dad shoes. But I think they all look great. I think they're all very, very cool. Um, but anyway, so he bought his first pair, and now he's, like, addicted. I think he might have actually bought another pair already. So it feels good to see him come around, and, uh, you know, every time I would wear uh, my Yeezys around him, he would always call them trash and... Uh, and hate on him. So now that he's buying them, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting, man. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, yeah, dude. In other news, news that actually matters, North Korea reports signs of life from Kim Jong-un. In the last few days, I've been all over this because North Korea in general just fascinates me, dude. The unknown fascinates me because, you know, they're just such an enigma. I mean, we don't know shit about North Korea. Um, and when something does come out, the North Korean leader reported to be in a weakened state or perhaps even dead. And that's that's all that I've seen in the last couple of days. You know, you have some news outlets that are like, no, you know, he's good. And then others are like, oh, he's had this surgery and it was a botched surgery and uh, he's in a vegetative state and he's completely brain dead and no one knows what the contingency plan is there for rain in North Korea. And I feel like he's got this brother who lives like not that, not there. He like lives somewhere else in Europe. And uh, but his sister, I think, is there, but he doesn't have like an, a, you know, an heir. Um, 
like a son. He doesn't, I don't, I don't believe. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? He could, but from what I know, he doesn't have a son that could just take over the reign. Uh, but would North Korea even let a woman be the supreme leader? I don't know. I have no clue how that works. But so it's fascinating to see like what would happen. Uh, but now, I think like CNN reported yesterday that all this, everyone jumped the gun um, and saying that he was dead. But uh, now U.S. News and World Report saying North Korean leader reported to be in a weakened state or perhaps even dead was said to have sent a letter to workers near his summer retreat. Signs of life, blah, blah, blah. And I think he's like gone off the radar before for a couple weeks and they said the same thing. His condition remains unclear and he hasn't been seen since before April 15th when he missed the commemoration marking the birthday of his grandfather and founder of North Korea, Kim Il-sung. First prompting rumors that his condition is deteriorating. So yeah, like North Korea has these huge like holiday celebrations and uh I guess that's their biggest one and he wasn't there so that kind of sparked rumors of that he was in ill health and not doing well but damn he's only 36 hmm um and then Trump said on Thursday of rumors about Kim's health I think the reports were incorrect wrong that's, excuse me, wrong. So, I mean, then he went on his whole thing like he usually does. Um, but, yeah, like, if you, I, I do this all the time. I'm like, pictures of North, I'll Google, like, pictures of North Korea. Because I want to know what it looks like over there. <laughs> like, if I could go to one place. Of course, I don't know if they probably wouldn't let me come home, would they? I don't know how that works. Like, I've known people that go to China and they let them leave. I would love to see the Great Wall. I think that would be the one place that I would want to go. Because it just fascinates me that something man-made is that expansive and huge. But no, like, I mean, Rodman goes there and comes home. But he's like, you know, I'm sure they probably figure if they killed him that, that they would there would be some, you know, uprising from the United States. When, in fact, we'd probably just be like, huh. Eh. Whatever, he's crazy. But no, um, yeah, it's like you can't just go to North Korea unless you're Dennis Rodman. And what is that? I mean, how did that happen, dude? How did that? <laughs> I mean, like they have common out. I mean, what do they have in common? Their love for basketball? Kim Jong-un's like 4'11", right? <laughs> and he loves basketball. So they have that in common. And Rodman's like 6'10". And they go over there. Can you imagine? I mean, if if Kim Jong-un is that starstruck with Dennis Rodman, the red carpet that he rolls out for him when he goes over there, Rodman probably loves going over there. He has this pick of like 25 women and all the cocaine in the world and Oh, my God, their parties that they have are probably insanity because I guess he lives. I mean, it's a extremely poverty stricken nation. But uh, the, you know, the small circle of elites, from what I know, are like live like kings over there. So 
they probably just... <laughs> they probably throw the craziest parties when Rodman's there, dude. Yeah, and he just gets to come home. You'd think we question the shit out of him. Like, what's it like? What's going on over there? I don't know. Uh... Hey, if anybody can find Blanton's, let me know, because I can't find it anywhere. I think I just have to go. Like, the liquor store that is close to me that gets it from time to time, uh, they say, like, our truck comes on Monday, and if you want any chance of... Shit, that's today. I should have gone up there. Shit. If you want any chance of getting it, um, be up here. Uh, early, right before we open, because there's always a line. And they might get a case every couple weeks, which I think is like only six bottles. But it seems like every liquor store I go to, they don't get it. Or when they do get it, it's gone as soon as they put it out. Or they might not even put it out, because it's one of those things like people would come in and ask them, and they they just sell them right away. Or they don't even have a chance to stock the shelves with them. Um, but I've never tried it. Bunch of my friends say it's their favorite bourbon. I love bourbon, and uh, I'd really like to have a bottle. So, if you uh, if you guys find find some, shoot me an email. I actually have that's a good segue. I've got an email for the podcast, the Wolf of Paul Street at gmail.com. So, send in your questions. I'd like some recommendations for like some uh, segments too. Like, I would like to have, like, a reoccurring segment <laughs> once uh, every episode. Well, that would be really fun. And I've been trying to think in the last week, like, what could I do every week uh, to have, like, a cool reoccurring segment? So if you have any recommendations for that or if you just want to write into the show, uh, that would be awesome. And um, I'm actually trying to work out, um, I've got, a couple of my buds who want to be guests and then um, a really good friend of mine who is in Austin. Uh, I think we're going to try to figure out how to like basically Skype him in or zoom. Where, where did zoom come from by the way? Like COVID made zoom, right? Like everyone just zooms now, like FaceTime's not even a thing anymore. They just zoom, but it's getting hacked. Um, from what I heard, that's like <laughs> susceptible to hackers uh, just breaking into Zoom meetings and and uh, you know going crazy in that. But uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Like he's getting a microphone and everything. I would love to have him be a guest on the next episode because you know I don't want to be unethical and have him have anybody over to the house just yet. Uh, Got to protect me and my son from getting infected. So yeah, <laughs> uh, the new yeah, the, and that. Uh, so I am preparing though for that once they kind of open the gates to uh, real life again. Um, I've got a chair and another microphone set up in here, and a little table in the middle, and just want to make a nice little cozy area for uh, potential guests to come in and just chill and sit down with me for a while. And I'm really excited for that. I mean, that would be really, really cool. And I think we could have some great conversations and uh, just nerd out and and talk. 
uh, for as long as they want to stay. I'll talk for as long as they want to talk. One thing I have had the chance to do and catch up on during quarantine is reading. And and I've always been a voracious reader, uh, but now it's like you have the ability to just read all day long. <laughs> but um, I've really caught up on a few of the books that I've wanted to get into, and I don't really, I mean... I don't I do not read like nonfiction. It's nothing educational. I don't I don't do that, but I do I do because because I want that escape. You know what I mean? I want that amazing story. I want it to take me away and put me in another world and really take me to that place that's in the book. And I visualize it in my mind. And when the prose is good and when the descriptions are uh, uh, just vivid. I love that. And, um, a number of years ago, I started to read fantasy novels and, you know, started out with, uh, you know, your, the wheel of time and, 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 and the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit and really the staple, uh, uh, you know, quintessential, uh, best novels. And, and they were good, and I loved them. But then I stumbled upon this book written by Pat Patrick Rothfuss, and it is called The Name of the Wind. And if I were to recommend a book to anyone that's looking to read an amazing story with incredible prose and... Um, vivid character creation and an amazing world that's really brought to life. Um, you don't necessarily have to be a fan of fantasy, although it would it would help. Um, I would recommend that. And uh, there is a sequel. It's called The Wise Man's Fear. And. Uh, they're both equally equally as good as one another. Um, the Name of the Wind is might be my favorite book ever. It's very it's very possible it is. I try I recommend it to everyone that is looking for a book or just my friends in general, my friends that I know that like fantasy that haven't uh, read it yet, and uh, everyone that has read it <clears throat> uh, has had nothing but positive things to say about it. Um, but anyways, that, so the name of the wind was written in 2007 and I think the wise man's fear might've been 2013 or 2011, 2013, somewhere around in there. And since then it was always known that he was going to write a third one, a third and final novel to the trilogy. Uh, it, it, it's called the King killer chronicle is like the name of the wind Book one in the King Killer Chronicle. Um, book two, The Wise Man's Fear. And from what the internet says, book three is going to be called The Doors of Stone. Now, since... Let me... Actually, let me look this up. The Wise Man's Fear. 2011. Jesus. So since 2011, and... 
Patrick Rothfuss has always been known to really keep the door, the lid tight on any details. Um, there has been no leaks. There has been no um, due date when it's out, <laughs> release date, due date. There has been no release date at all um, from him, from his lips about when the Doors of Stone is going to be released. Until recently, which in my world is massive news because I've read both of those books twice. Um, the speculation is that it's going to be August 20th, 2020. And tell you what, if you're out there and you're looking for a book to read, get the name of the wind, read the second one, and uh, trust me, you will be on the head of a pin and extremely excited for August 20th, 2020. Hopefully COVID doesn't hold that up. All right, so I am thinking about doing like a little segment to where I just scroll down my newsfeed and Facebook and see if anything pops up that's new and noteworthy or that I think is hilarious or that I might want to talk about. And IGN uh, is repost is reporting that The Last of Us 2 will be released on June 19th. Now, in the last 24 hours, there has been a huge leak. And it's <laughs> pisses me off so much. Total bullshit. And now I have to really, really watch myself when I'm online. Because if some piece of shit spoils the story for me, now I've seen gameplay. I know what the gameplay looks like. I've seen uh, enough to know I'm all in. The pre-order is set. Then they have the huge delay. All good. During this delay in the last 24 hours, apparently there has been massive leaks on the entire story and game more gameplay, massive spoilers to where it would ruin the entire game for you uh, if you ran across it online. So don't go Googling it. Don't go putting in The Last of Us. It could just pop right up. YouTube, it's all over YouTube. It's all over everything, um, which is awful. I mean, that's terrible. I don't even know how these things happen. I mean... You would think that Naughty Naughty Dog makes the game, uh, first party PlayStation Studio. You would think that they have everything locked down, but they don't. So there's it leaks happen all the time, but apparently this one is like monumental, uh, devastating leak of all the story segments. Um, but so the discussion was, what do you do? As a game developer, do you just say, fuck it, we got to release the game now? You know, because how long as a, as a fan, uh, you know, how long do you do they expect us to just wait and not get the story spoiled accidentally, you know, um, stay away from, you know, how long do we just not get online and then accidentally have the story spoiled? So... Uh, 
here we go. The Last of Us Part 2 will be released on June 19th. So it originally was, well, not originally, but the last release date was May 29th. Um, and now there's, you know, and then was the uh, delay, and now they're saying June 19th. God damn it. I was hoping it was going to be May 9, May 29th again. But at least it's not that much longer. So The Last of Us Part 2 will be released on June 19th. Pumped. I'm pumped. It is, without a doubt, my most anticipated game of the year for sure. That and Cyberpunk. But The Last of Us, I think, even more. Um, just purely because the first one is one of my favorite games of all time, and I know this next one is going to be incredible. And I'll definitely be streaming it as well. Twitch.tv slash A Wolf Among Us. And I'll keep you guys updated on that, but starting literally on June 19th, I'll probably do my first episode. Um, let's see what else. Oh, whew. had a flat tire the other day. Had a fucking flat tire the other day. I haven't had one in years and years. I think back to even when I had first got my license, I think was the only other time I've had a flat tire. I had an 86 Pontiac Grand Am and I had a flat tire in that car. And, um, man, so I was on the interstate cruising right along going about 75 and the sound was so loud. I don't remember the sound being that loud from the other time that I had a flat, but it was deafening and I thought I hit something. And, and, you know, in a split second, you, you can, your brain can think a million things, a million thoughts. So I'm like looking around like into my rear view mirror. And then I turn and looked over my shoulder because I, from where the direction of where the sound came from, I'm like, Oh my God, what did I hit? What did I hit a person? Did I hit another car? How did I not see that? Did something run out in front of me? I was like, and, but then at that exact t- second, like the wheel started to jerk. So I like grabbed a hold of it really, you know, and the car started to lose control a little bit. And I'm like, oh my God, that's a fucking flat tire. And I guided it kind of over to the side of the interstate and um, like right on the berm. And there wasn't a whole lot of room there. Um, and, and I just kind of sat there and I thought, and I was like, we're in the middle of a pandemic. What exactly am I going to do here? Let me collect my thoughts. And I'm like, oh, I pay for like roadside assistance through my insurance. So I got on the app and um, queued up, you know, like I have the app that allows you to, you know, kind of log into your insurance and got the roadside assistance number, called them and the lady was super nice, but it was going to be an hour. It was going to be an hour wait to have someone come out. And right about the time when I started to get into, okay, what are my options here? Can they tow it to my house? How does that, you know, how does that work? Do they just come and, well, because, well, let me go back. First of all, I got out and, you know, like dropped the spare. And luckily I have a full size spare and, um, and then jacked it up and attempted to change. Cause I was just going to change it myself. But the last time I'd had my tires rotated, they, tightened it 
with an air wrench, you know, the <laughs> like that thing. So I was like, I was giving it all I had and it wasn't enough. And I'm like, well, okay. So I didn't know what to do. And that's when I called roadside assistance. Cause I'm like, they tighten this with an air wrench. I can't get this off. Like I'm trying to, I tried everything. So, um, she was like, yeah, that's fine. We understand we have, we've had that happen before, whatever. And she said, uh, we'll have somebody out, but it's going to be an hour. We have increased call volume, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, increased call volume. There should be no, there should be no calls. Like people are just, should be staying at home. She didn't have an answer for that. So, uh, (laughs) about that time where I was about to say, yeah, okay, fine. Like, I didn't know what I was going to do. Sit there for an hour, uh, play Hearthstone on my phone or something. So, uh, a state trooper pulled up behind me <laughs> and, and two things come into your mind. Every time a cop pulls up behind you, either fuck. Oh my God. What's in my car that could get me in trouble, <laughs> which did cross my mind. And I'm like nothing. And, um, Oh, thank God. And this time it was a little bit of both. And then once I called myself down, like he, he doesn't have anything over on you. Uh, I was like, oh man, maybe this guy can help me out. Protect and serve, baby. So he comes up to the side. It was a state trooper, and he comes up to the side window, and uh, he's like, "How's your day going?" And, you know, like being obviously sarcastic because he can see I'm in trouble. And I was like, "Very funny." I was like, "Not the best," you know. And he said, "Uh, it's all good. Uh, let me see if I can help you out." And I was like, "Well, I've already tried to do it myself." But it was, you know, they were rotated and put on with an air wrench. And he was like, oh, he's like, no worries. He's like, I'm not even going to try to do it then. And he said, uh, I'm going to call one of my first responders and see if he can come out and help you out. And I was like, okay. And as I'm on the phone with, I said, well, I'm on the phone with my insurance company right now. He's like, well, just tell him to hang on. Let me see how long this is going to be. Just like that. And I was like, okay. Two seconds later, he comes back. He's like, There'll be a guy here. There'll be a guy here in 10 minutes. And I was like, okay. And he said, he's got an air wrench on his truck. And I was like, damn. Uh, okay. So, (laughs) so I I said, uh, thanks anyways. Uh, insurance. I was like, I'm good. Cancel that order. And I was like, thank you officer. You're the man. And he was like, no problem. Glad I could help you out. And six minutes later, this first responder guy pulls up. And he had the thing off and uh, my full-size spare on in five minutes. It was ridiculous. So that's a success story for the state trooper department and first responder dude. He was the shit. And it said, like, State Farm something on the truck. But I don't know if that's just, like, who sponsors them. Because it wasn't, like, it was an inch. I don't know how that works. But it was... The guy was incredibly helpful. I think he's just like some kind of roadside assistance dude or something. I don't know. I have no idea. But that was awesome. But just sitting there on the side of the highway, that's a weird feeling. It's like you're helpless. And you're hoping that someone is going to come and try to give you a hand. But it wasn't like I was, you know, late for anything. (laughs) It wasn't like I had to be somewhere, which was kind of cool, you know. It was just like, if I need to sit here for a while, I can. 
you know, there's nothing else. The world's closed. Life is closed right now. So and just hang out there in the car, I guess, and wait for help and go home and watch Netflix. Speaking of Netflix, man, shit. I feel like I've seen, when's Netflix 2 come out? You know, I've seen all that one has to offer. They need to, uh, I mean, I need some recommendations, I guess, or something, because I was just going through, like, the other night, I was like, okay, what what do I, what, what can I watch here? I mean, I guess it wouldn't have to be like a Netflix original programming or anything, because that's what I usually go for, because their original programming is just so good, dude. It's so good. It's the best content you can find right now, and, uh... But, like, Breaking Bad, I never really finished that. And that was a really good... You know, I've never watched Mad Men either. Never watched Mad Men, which I always... Which I hear is so good. And, uh... So I should do that and watch Better Call Saul, you know? My buddy was telling me about that, too. But, yeah, Breaking Bad was the shit. But, like, in terms of... Shows on Netflix, I've seen You, I've seen Stranger Things, I've seen The Witcher, I've seen House on Hill House, Haunted on the Hill House, I've seen that. I've seen them, I've seen most of them, I would think. Oh, Extraction. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about that. And I like Chris Hemsworth, seems like a good Aussie. So I gotta check that out. I don't know, dude. I don't know. I was having a super hard, difficult time sleeping last year. This is a bad year for me. And into this year, it's kind of continued a little bit. And I was thinking, like, uh, oh, my mom for Christmas got me this, like, little machine that, uh, I mean, I'm sure they have tons of uh, machines out there that do, like, that, put out sounds like sleep aid machines or whatever. Uh, um, I always think of in like seven. Do you remember in seven when uh, Morgan Freeman would go to sleep? He would have that metronome that would be like, that is the most depressing thing I can possibly imagine doing when I went. I mean, his place already was stark and depressing, but like, just going to bed in complete blackness and putting on a metronome in the background to tick would be super sad. But I didn't, so I didn't want to have to relate to that or resort to that. But uh, so she got me this, like, I think it was, I think it's by Home Medics or something like that. So, I mean, they f- should for sure reach out to me because they want to be a sponsor, which I get. But uh, <laughs> but they, no, like this little machine will put out amazing sound, like an amazing high-quality sounds of like thunderstorms and babbling brooks and uh, like waterfalls and just rain, just straight rain, no thunder, no lightning. But like the one that really works for me is the thunderstorm. But... And I've been doing that for months and months and months. Every night I'll have that thing just not blaring, but loud enough to where I can hear it. And then it, it, and it puts you deep. I mean, I go deep. No dreams are remembered, but I never really remember my dreams anyways, which sucks because I want to remember my dreams, but like I don't. Don't remember. They say that you dream every single night, 
you just don't remember them when you wake up all the time. I never remember them ever. Uh, but yeah, no, I was thinking the other day because like the, I mean, the thunderstorms are still working and then sometimes I'll like put on a podcast and listen to that. But I remember in college and I didn't necessarily have trouble sleeping in college, but my, my roommate, Jim, uh, would he turned me on to Pink Floyd when I was in college. And for some reason, I had never really gotten into them before. I mean, I knew the most popular songs and I knew the the hits and whatnot. But he told me like growing up and when he was in high school, he had friends and he had family members that, you know, had like introduced him to Pink Floyd and like he had gone deep in Pink Floyd. Like he knew the songs that weren't necessarily on the radio that were the best. And, uh, he, we made this playlist that we would put on some, because I live with him for like three and a half years. And we, and we, uh, we made this playlist that we would put on at night and it would play, but we would put it on a lot and we would play like every night and we live in like two or three different places. And, uh, each place it just kind of continued on. He was like, Hey, put on the Pink Floyd. We'll be asleep in five minutes. And it worked. And, uh, and I was thinking about that and I was, I was like, man, I miss listening to that. And, um, but I mean the computer that I had it on, well, I don't even think that I still have that, uh, tower that I had from college. I don't think that thing will even fucking boot up. There's no way that it even still works, but so there's no way I could extract that playlist from there. But, I was thinking the other day, I was like, what live album, or no, not what live album. It happened to be a live album, but what Pink Floyd album was my favorite? And I remembered how good this one album is. It has to be one of the best live albums ever made. Because, you know, like the thing that you run into, I wonder if I could Google that. The thing that you run into in a live album is they sound like shit, right? So like you have that background noise and you have the crowd going crazy and it's not as vivid as like a studio album. Um, but this one sounds incredible. Uh, Ooh, ACDC live. That's a good one, dude. I remember that. I definitely had that album. That album was the shit. Um, no, so I looked it up. It's Pink Floyd Pulse, and they came out with this album in 1995. And, uh, dude, <laughs> um, so they come, so they come, and I used to have the double disc. It's a double disc album, and the album art and the case and everything is so awesome. And I'm thinking you can still probably find it on like eBay or something like that. And I would love to have that again, but I mean, obviously it's on Apple music and, and all those kind of, you know, streaming services. But, uh, so the first CD, the first out, it's a double disc. So picture this concert that they played, that they recorded this live album at, they come out to shine, shine on you crazy diamond. And it's parts one through five. And then, Five, and then they play they play all parts 
Because on Wish You Were Here, you know, there's two separate Shine On and Crazy Diamonds at the beginning and at the end. So they play all that. And that's how they start out the show. And then they go into all the bangers, right? They go into What Do You Want From Me, Learning To Fly, Keep Talking, Hey You. Uh, and, and then the first album ends with Another Brick In The Wall. So then they take a break. And they come back out. And they think, okay, what can we play now? So what they do is they play the whole, they play the entire Dark Side of the Moon album for the second set. The whole album. First song to the last song. <laughs> so not only do you have all the bangers in the first set, then you have the whole Dark, the whole dark Side of the Moon album as the disc two live. And the quality is so good. And then at the end of the song, you just have the crowd in the background. It's like they're not even there while they're playing. That's how good it sounds. Time, money, us and them, any color you like, brain damage, breathe, all of it, dude. So then the crowd starts doing the encore chant. This is not, this is not the, the album to fall asleep to, unless you're going to fall asleep to shine, which you easily could in that amount of time. Because you're sitting there, you'd be in bed just jamming, right? Because it's so good. They come, the, the crowd is yelling for the encore. They come out, they come back out on stage and they do Wish You Were Here. Unbelievable song. Then, which uh, if I had one criticism of the album, I would say, this next song should have been the final song, but they do Comfortably Numb. Now, that's my favorite Pink Floyd song. Maybe, well, maybe, maybe tied with Shine, but Comfortably Numb, this live version of it is so fucking badass because, you know, do the whole song, uh, sounds great. Uh, Roger Waters is killing it. Then David Gilmore does the guitar solo. Now, the guitar solo in Comfortably Numb just on the studio album is, is awesome, right? This is that exact guitar solo for like five minutes. So <laughs> it's like the extended version of that guitar solo. And in my opinion, it's the greatest guitar solo ever. He kills this shit. It's so good they should, that they should have been... There's no way there's any room for another song after that. But they do play Run Like Hell after that, which is great. They end on that. And that song's unbelievable, too. But the Comfortably Numb Live version of that song on Pulse, 1995, fucking listen to that song, and you can't tell me that his guitar solo at the end doesn't melt your face, because it will. And they even have, like, on the uh, Dark Side of the Moon portion, they brought the girl that does the crazy uh, lyricist craziness. I forget what song it is, but, oh, it's the great gig in the sky where she's like, <laughs> she does that whole shit too, dude. Right in the middle of the whole set, they brought, him, they brought her with them for the show. And that rips shit too. The whole thing is so good. And I highly recommend it. 
I don't know why I'm talking about that because it has nothing to do with helping me sleep whatsoever. But I was putting on Pink Floyd recently because it really does help me go to sleep. But not that album. Because <laughs> that album just pumps me up. So, okay. I think that's going to end. I actually think uh, i end a little early. And a little early. Life is closed. There's no more topics. And hopefully next week we can get my butt on live from Texas. Not live, but patched in. And uh, and that'll be really fun. That'll be super fun for sure. So again, email for the show, the wolf of Paul Street at gmail.com. Uh, email email me your questions or concerns. I'm sure there's tons of them. And, uh, and, um, we'll see you guys next week, man. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.